Tonight, I want to share with you a message. And it's really, you know, as I do my research for the series I'm going to be doing on praise and worship, there's just so much. And tonight, I want to share something with you that really could be part of that series, but I thought I would bring it out because I think this is so important for us. And even though it is sort of connected to worship, it doesn't really need to be a part of that series. So we'll just dive right in tonight. Amen. I'm going to be preaching. Um, My message will be entitled tonight, No More High Places. No More High Places. And let's go to Numbers 33, verse number 51. Numbers 33, verse 51. The Bible says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded image. And demolish all their high places. When God moves into an area when the children of Israel would go into an area, the inhabitants of that land would have their own gods, their own images and their own worship that they would have. And so we can see that the Lord tells the children of Israel that they should destroy the engraved stones, molded images. And he says, demolish all their high places. And you will see in Scripture that This is something that is very serious to the Lord, specifically written in the Old Testament. Let's go to Deuteronomy 12, verse number 1. Take a look at this, and then we'll go a little deeper. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to obey in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy. Everyone say, utterly destroy. Now watch what he says. All the places where the nations which you shall dispose serve their gods. So every place where false worship or every place where false gods was worshipped, God says, listen, when you go in and you take that land, what they've set up as worship, what they've set up as a place where they served false gods, I want you to utterly destroy it. He says, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, basically he's saying in every place where they have participated in some form of worship or idolatry, whether it be on a mountain, whether it be on a hill, or whether it be under green trees, So worship was done in many different places. And God is saying, listen, I want you to go in. And when you take a hold of that land, things need to change. The ways of that inhabitants need to change. What they believe is worship, what they call worship, must be destroyed. Every place where false gods were worshipped, every place where false idols were worshipped, I want you to go in there and I want you to utterly destroy it. Don't follow their ways. And then he says in verse number three, and you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, 
and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. In other words, what, what, what was there, what was worshipped there, what the idolatry that ta- was taken place there, I want you to go in there. And he's literally saying, I want you to destroy everything associated to them, associated to their name. And we know that it's because our God is a jealous God. And our God wants us to worship Him. Can you say amen? And he's saying, listen, you, when you go into this land that I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you conquer this land. I'm going to give you this land. But you must understand that this land is inhabited by a people that false, that worship false idols, that worship false gods, that have different types of of, of rituals that they do that they do unto their false gods and false idols and, and they would basically do all kinds of, of different things. They would um, they would they would do light fires and burn incense and, and do all these different things. And God is saying, Listen, I want you to utterly cut it down, destroy it, and even their name from that place must be removed. He says, You shall not worship the Lord your God, listen to this, with such things. In other words, any of those things, any of those traditions, any of those kinds of incense, any of that type of worship, I don't want that to come near me, God is saying. I don't want that type of worship, I don't want that type of idolatry to come in and be mixed with the worship that I'm going to call you to. God is saying, the worship that I'm calling to you to, you to is holy is pure, and that worship will destroy you. Are you with me? Listen, God is not saying this because He's just being funny. God is saying this because He knows the results and the effects of interfering with pure worship and the type of worship that He had called the children of Israel to do. He says in verse number five, but you shall seek the place. Now watch this. Where the Lord your God chooses. So he's saying, listen, you can't even, well, those places where they worshiped, I want you to destroy them. I want you to wipe the name of that place out. And I want to take you to a place where you must worship me. And that's the only place where you worship me. He says, you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses. So God is saying, I'm the one who will choose the place where you will worship out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go. So the place of worship that God will choose will have his name on it. It will be his dwelling place and that's where we should go to worship. That's what he's saying to the children of Israel. He says in verse number six, there you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. God was going to establish a place where He was calling His children, His people, to come and worship. And any other types of worship that had been established in those places before or in that region before, He was saying, I don't want you to participate in worship in those places. I don't want you to go under the trees, into the hills, on the mountaintops. In fact, I want you to go into those places and utterly destroy them. 
This is serious to the Lord. And he's saying, listen, the place that I will set up, that I will call you to, the place that I will put my name on, that's the place where you must worship. That's the place where you must worship. Amen. He says in verse number 11, Deuteronomy 12, verse number 11, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, tithes, heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings, which you vow to the Lord. Listen again, he, he over-iterates that it's the place that He chooses and the place where His name abides. That's the place where they must worship. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Now, in Scripture, we see a series of kings as they go into the promised land and they take that promised land. There's a series of kings and we see them honor God and we see them dishonor God or not honor God in various ways. But one of the things that's really interesting is we're going to see something that maybe you've never seen this before. Maybe you have. I don't know. But it's very interesting. Let's go to 1 Kings 3, verse number 1. First, things, first Kings 3, verse number 1. This is King Solomon. Now, King Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed, watch this, at the high places. Because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. So God had not built his house yet. And the people, the people that were with Solomon were going up to the high places. So those high places were still there. Those high places that were supposed to have been destroyed were still there. And the Bible says in verse number three, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Now watch, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. So sacrifice, so Solomon followed in his father's footsteps, honored the Lord, loved the Lord, wanted to reestablish worship, do things just like his father did. But the Bible says that there was one thing he did wrong. He, he went and he sacrificed and did burnt offerings in the high places. He didn't destroy them. In fact, he continued to worship in high places and it's interesting because God allows it. It doesn't wipe him out. Are you with me? He continues to do it. The problem is, is that this is where the problem comes in with Solomon. Is that God has said, listen, these high places need to be destroyed. These high places need to be torn down. You can't go to those high places anymore. But Solomon continues. Now, you must remember that David never did this. David was waiting for the house of the Lord to be established. I'll read that to you in just a moment. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 1 verse number 3. Take a look at what happens to Solomon. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon for the, for the, for the tabernacle of meeting. For the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servants of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. So he went to a high place. Now watch this. In verse number four, but David brought up the ark of God from Kirjath, 
Jerem to the place David had prepared it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. So Gibeon was a high place, whereas David set the tabernacle up, the place of worship, he set it up in Jerusalem. And we know that Jerusalem was the place that God had chosen. Jerusalem was the place where the name of God would be established. So David honored God. David did as the Lord wanted, whereas Solomon didn't. He went up to a high place and established the tabernacle in a high place. 2 Samuel 6 verse 15. Just hang with me just for a little while, okay? I'm going to get to it in just a moment, explain it to you. But you're all fine, right? You've all got it because you're all very clever. Okay, 2 Samuel 6 verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sounds of trumpets. You see, David was bringing the ark. And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Micah Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she, and, and, and she despised him at her sight. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place, in, in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord in the place that God had chosen. What happened was David's worship was pure. Solomon's worship was not pure. The Bible says that the one thing that God had against him was that he continued. He did not destroy the high places. He continued to worship in the high places. Those high places got him into big trouble. 1 Kings 11 verse 7. Then Solomon built a high place at Chemosh, the abominate, the, the abomin, abomination of Moab, sorry, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrifices to their gods. So what happened was, while he, he was mixing it, he, he left the high places. Then he began to set up more high places. And then all his wives began to go up. And now they were making sacrifices to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this, concerning this thing, that he should not go afar off. He should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. He, 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 he mixed. He didn't obey God. And he continued to, to allow worship in high places. Eventually that worship, because of his wives and because of the people he was surrounding himself with, became a place of idolatry and false worship. And he got himself into trouble. To the point where we know that Solomon doesn't end well. Whereas David, we know David ends well. David established a house of worship, the tabernacle of David, which was a place of worship that the Lord had chosen and put his name on. It's interesting because if you study Scripture, you will find out that there are many kings thereafter. And take a look at what the Bible says about them. Rehoboam, listen to this, 1 Kings 14, 21. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. 
to put his name there. His mother's name was, was Noma. And, and Ammonites, in verse 22, now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all of their fathers had done. Watch this now. For they also built for themselves, look at this, high places, sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. So we see again that these high places that are established, that are built, are a problem to the Lord. Then there was a king who was a good king, and his name was Asa. Now take a look at what the Bible says about this. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, of Jeroboam in 1 Kings 15, verse number 9. 1 Kings 15, verse number 9. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. Over Judah. And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Micah, the granddaughter of Absalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his, fa- as did his father David. It's interesting that he refers directly to, to David. And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removed Micah, the grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene images and burned it by the brook Kidron. So I want you to see, he's removing idolatry, every form of false worship he's removing, but unfortunately he leaves something. Take a look at what it says in verse 14. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. But you'll find out that at the end, because of the high places, things began to go wrong. And we see this over and over and over that there are these kings and they want to serve the Lord right. And the Lord allows them and even blesses them. But they keep the high places. They don't remove the high places. They leave the high places. And then a new king comes on the scene. Now watch this because it's interesting. This king's name is Hezekiah. Let's go to 2 Kings 18, verse number 1. I know it's a lot of scripture, but I want you to see this. 2 Kings 18, verse number 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Ella, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ezra, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Watch this. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden images and broke the pieces. It broke in pieces bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burnt incense to it, and it was called Neheshta. So he was adamant about utterly destroying everything that the Lord despised and did not want. He even, what the, 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 the bronze serpent, those of you know this, the story of the bronze serpent, the children of Israel continued to burn incense to it. He took it and destroyed it. He tore down the high places. The other kings, there were six of them. And many of them did good things in the sight of the Lord, but they left the high places. This king chose to tear down the high places according to the word of the Lord. And the only place that worship would take place was the place where the Lord's name was. 
It's very interesting. If you study the story of Hezekiah, he gets sick. And, the, and, and a prophet comes to him and tells him that he's going to die. So he goes before the Lord and he goes before the wall. He turns around, faces the wall and begins to cry out to God and begins to remind God of all that he had done. And as he's reminding God, the prophet is busy leaving. And while he's leaving, the Lord speaks to him and says to him, turn around, go back and tell Hezekiah that I will add 15 years to his life. The Lord hears the prayers and, and makes an incredible move, one that will probably shock you in about five minutes. And he hears the prayer of Hezekiah, spares Hezekiah's life, gives him 15 more years. You see, how many of you know God knows everything? Now watch this. But before I go there, I want you to understand that this was a very special king. Like David, he was a very special king that really wanted to honor God. It's not that the other kings didn't want to, but the problem was they were willing to mix. They were willing to allow just a little bit of compromise. And in every one of their case, the Bible says that they were blessed, but they were, there was one thing held against them. They left the high places. They did not destroy the high places. But this king made a decision, I'm taking them down. And so he takes them down. And then in his time of crisis, while he's dying, he's about to die. The prophet says, get your house in order, you're going to die. He cries out to God. God changes his mind, shows mercy on him, and gives him 15 more years. But something happens. You see, in those 15 years, he gives birth to a son. And this son is wicked. The Bible describes this king as a very wicked king. 2 Kings 21 verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old, so he was born after the 15 years. After Hezekiah's life was spared for 15 years, Manasseh was born. And Manasseh became king, and when he was 15 years old, he became king, and he reigned 45 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations. So you see, he did evil in the sight of the Lord and he allowed the abominations of the nations, he allowed the worldly stuff to get in. He allowed what the Lord did not want to get in. Are you with me? And the Bible says, it says that according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel, for he had, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up the altars for Baal and made a wooden image. And Ahab, king of Israel, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. And he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So he turns his face from God, reestablishes worship. I want you to know something. If we as, the, as a generation... Do not allow our children to encounter God in a true and pure way. The next generation will not turn to God. If we allow polluted worship, a polluted serving of God in the church today, the next generation will rise up and probably be evil. Are you with me?
I think it's very interesting that he, the king was supposed to die. Hezekiah was supposed to die. But God spares him. And then he gives birth to a son. And that son becomes evil. Just some food for thought. Maybe the initial plan was better. You know? I'm sure Hezekiah would have been very upset with the Lord if he didn't help him though. Right? Him, not you. You would never do that, you know. He, yes, but not, not us, you know. Even though they were doing what was right, the kings had a desire to do what was right, tear down idolatry, false worship. They left the high places. And incense would be burnt in those high places, even to God, but he didn't like it because it wasn't pure. It wasn't right. Are you with me? Now, let's go to a little story in the New Testament real quick. I'm almost not done. My mind is all over the place, so please forgive me. Let's go to John 4, verse number 5. You'll understand the story a little better today. So he, this is Jesus, came to a city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus get, said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. How many in this room say, I want that living water. So the woman answered just like you and said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to whoever drinks of this water, will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him. Everybody say in him. The water that he will give you will become in you, will become in you a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Sorry, this is the part that I said you would have done. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. You, can, can we all say amen? Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, 
You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Then the woman said to him, I, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain in a high place. And you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship, the place where the Lord's name is. Are you with me? And Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. And you must understand there's a big history here because the Samaritans, the, the Samaritans were, were worshiping on that mountain that was over there. And they believed that that was a sacred place, a place of sacred worship. But there was also an incredible amount of false worship and idolatry that followed them all the way. But this woman knew about the Jews and Jerusalem and that Jerusalem was the place where the name of God was. And Jesus is saying, listen, something is going to change. There's something is going to change. It's not going to be a place anymore. He says this. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And he says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The hour is coming where the Father is seeking true worshipers, where there will be true worshipers. These true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Are you with me? He is seeking. Listen, He has always been seeking a people that will worship Him in truth and in spirit. He has always been looking for a people that would worship Him the right way, that would not mix their worship, that would not pollute their worship. He is looking for a people who will surrender themselves to Him. Listen, he, he, He's looking for a people that will worship where His name is. Where is His name now? It's on you. His name is on you. His name is on your heart. Come on. You carry His name. Are you, are you with me? So He's saying, listen, nothing has really changed. The only thing is the location has moved from a building to a person. Are you with me? But the, the principle remains that even though you get rid of things and even though you begin to worship and even though you begin to go in the right direction, there is true worship and there is not true worship. And you and I have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus says that I'm gonna give you water and this water will become a fountain in you that will give life. Are you with me? Not only will that fountain give you life, but that fountain will even give life to others. The woman says, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Give me that water. Give me that water. How many of you are thirsty? Come on. I'm thirsty for more of God's presence. I'm thirsty for more of the Lord. But let me tell you something. God is seeking, as He always has, a people that will not follow the traditions and the customs of the world. 
He's looking for a people that will worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for a people that will become a fountain because of their worship, because of their desire, because of their desire to walk with Him. Listen, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But the first part of it is to seek the kingdom. Many Christians don't live like they're seeking the kingdom. The kingdom is His ways. The kingdom is His plans. The kingdom is His kingdom, His laws. He's the king of that kingdom. When we seek the kingdom, we seek the king. We follow His ways. When we worship, we worship the way He tells us to worship. If He says, go over there, we go over there. If He says, don't vote like this, we don't vote like this. If He says, raise your children this way, we raise our children this way. If He says, this is right and this is wrong, we say this is right and this is wrong. Are you with me? We do not mix. We do not leave high places in our lives. When there's high places left, it's not that God will cut you out. But I want to I worship in spirit and truth the way the Father is seeking. True worshipers. And then he says this. Well, let's go real quick to John seven thirty seven. John seven thirty seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts. Now, if you look at the way it's written, it's more like, if anyone thirsts. But louder than that, probably. But, you know, we're in Vero Beach, so we'll keep it down. <laughs> he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The woman at the well says, Lord, give me that water. He says, if you'll drink from the water that I will give you, you will become a fountain of life. There will be fountains of living water that will come out of you, that will spring up out of you. He says, the Father is looking for true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and truth. Why? Because the Father is spirit, and those who want to worship Him must worship Him that way. The hour is coming. The hour had not yet come. At that point, they were still worshiping in specific places. But God was saying the hour is coming where it won't be in that place or that place. It will be inside you. Are you with me? It will take place on the inside of you. Why? Because that's where His name is. He's written His name on you. Can you say amen? He says, He says that Jesus stood up and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, watch this, as the scripture has said, as the scripture has said, as the scripture has said, not the way you want it to be, not the way the government says it must be, not the way this person says it must be, not some funny doctrine that says it must be like that. As the scripture says, the way he truly is, not distorted, not muddled up, not mixed up, not perverted, in only one way, truth in spirit and in truth. 
if you believe in him, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. It's the same thing he said to the woman at the well. Out of your belly will be fountains of living water that will flow out of you. He didn't say out of me, he said out of you. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this is the part I love the most. Look at what he says. Read the next verse. But he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was preparing us from the time of Samaria to tell us that you will become a people that will be able to worship in spirit and truth. That the Father is seeking. He has always been seeking. What has He been seeking for? True worshipers. Like Hezekiah was. That was willing to take down the high places even though it wasn't popular. He was going to tear them down. The whole community was probably not happy with Him, but He tore them down anyway. The fact is, is that God is looking for us who will be a people who will worship Him. But listen to me. Worship has to be in spirit and truth for for you to become a true worshiper. And he says that if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Because when you come to him, out of your belly, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Out Out of your heart, out of you, because you're worshiping in spirit and truth. Jesus said this. When the Pharisees asked him, where will the kingdom be? Where's the kingdom? Jesus said, the kingdom is not over there. It's not over there. He said, the kingdom is inside you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Where's the kingdom? Everybody goes, there's the kingdom. The reason why you close your eyes when you worship is because you go into the spirit. It's not because you're looking for heaven up there. It's because you're going inside. You're going into your inner, in your inner self, your inner man. And your inner man's the part that's worshiping in spirit. It's the inside. It's the spiritual part of who you are that begins to worship in a way that God desires for us to worship with every fiber of our being. And listen, He wants us to worship Him in truth. The way that Jesus said, He who believes in me as the Scriptures have said it, not as somebody else has said it. Not distorted, not polluted, not culturally correct. Are you with me? There's only one God. There's only one Savior. There's only one Lord. There's only one King. There's only one. You must, you must worship in spirit or else you are not a true worshiper. It's like this, you either are or you aren't. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that you're not a believer, but God is looking for true worshipers. You see, because when you become a true worshiper and you begin to seek Him and you go to Him and you rely on Him, Jesus said, listen, before, before people wouldn't understand what it means. He says, listen, what I'm telling you about, I'm telling you about the Holy Spirit that has not yet been given. But when He's been given, He's gonna come in you then he's going to come upon you. 
Because the Bible says that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? He will fill you up with His Spirit. And then you will begin to worship. How? From within. In spirit and truth. And while you're worshiping, while you're seeking Him, something begins to stir up inside you. Something begins to pour out of you. Everything you need, every answer you need, where will it come from? It will come from His Word and His Spirit that is inside you. It will come from inside you. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Because unless you've heard the Word of God, the rhema Word of God, until it becomes life on the inside of you, it will not become a fountain in you. There's a big difference between Logos Word and rhema Word. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's talking about the rhema Word where the Word becomes alive. It becomes revelation to you. It's a spoken word. It's when, when, you, when, the, when, when you, you don't need your Bible in your hand because it's in your heart. So when you speak to that situation, to that circumstance, the word begins to come out of you and it's alive. It's a fountain. How does that happen? It happens because of the Holy Spirit. It's His Spirit in you that gives you the ability to know exactly what to say. To understand in the circumstances, it's so easy to get caught up in the flesh. Trust me, I was there today. It's a hard day today. But as soon as I just go to that place, that place where he is, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And there will be a, a river, a fountain in him. Where does it come from? It comes from in you. Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit. Where does he live? On the inside of you. Seek first the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? It's inside you. Don't try and get theologically. Don't even go there. No more high places. Well, you know, I think that this denomination says we should do it like this. That's a high place. This movement says we should do it like this. That's a high place. Because that's not what he said. He didn't say that it must be prescribed to you in a specific way or order. He said it must be in spirit and in truth. And when you worship in spirit and truth... That's when you will never go thirsty again. Because you will know where your strength comes from. You will know where the life of God in you comes from. Yes, in you. Even with your weaknesses. That's why the Samaritan woman ran into town. So excited. for She wasn't thirsty anymore. She left her water pots behind. And she ran into town and she said, let me tell you about the man who told me everything about me. And the Bible tells us that when the people of the city had encountered Jesus, they were all so transformed and changed. Why? Because they'd encountered him for themselves, the Bible says, not because of what she said. 
the Lord has given us His Spirit to worship Him in spirit and truth. And let me tell you something. You need the Holy Spirit. It is an absolute abomination to not teach on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was teaching us before anyone would understand so that we could get it in here. He was trying to prepare us. Listen, church, you need the Holy Spirit to worship. You need the Holy Spirit to pray. He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. When? When we don't know what we should pray. He's always there. When you're in crisis, He's always there. When things are going great, then you can jump around. He's always there. True worshipers. No more high places. Nothing more important. God doesn't want us to have any idols, anything in our life that is more important than Him. We must seek Him over anything, over anyone's agenda, over anyone's ideology, over any type of whatever. Worship. Spirit and truth. His Spirit. In our spirit. Worshiping Him as the Scriptures have said. Amen. Amen. Can we bow our heads for just a moment? Father, tonight in this place, I give you thanks, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we will be a people as your word describes in Numbers and Deuteronomy, that will put away false images, idols, and any high place, anything in our lives, Lord, that would distract us or pollute us from worshiping you in spirit and in truth. I know that everyone in this place knows what it's like to be thirsty. Like the woman at the well who was suffering and being rejected and outcast, going to the well at the heat of the day because she was an outcast. And Jesus spoke to her about living water. And you said, Lord, that if you ask for that, a drink of that water, that water will be living water. Lord, I pray that you will cause us to seek after you with all of our hearts. This evening in this place, if there's any idolatry, if there's anything that we've placed before you, Lord, I ask that you would forgive us. Yes, Lord, I repent of anything that we've put before you, that I've put before you. Anything, Father, that I've put in front of you or, or, or tried to do it my way or anything like that, Lord. Lord, we want to do it your way. We want to worship your way in spirit and in truth. As Jesus said on that day in the Feast of, Pente of Tabernacles when he stood up and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come and I will give him that living water. And he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are here this evening in this place.
welcomed. You are so welcome. Lord, you know everyone in this place. You know every thought. You know every pain, every need, everything we're going through, our circumstances, the good things, the bad things, everything. You know it all. And I pray tonight, Lord, that we will come before you and make a decision as a congregation, as a people, that we will worship you, Lord, in spirit. And in truth, Holy Spirit, we, we love you. Yes, we love you, Lord. We love you. We welcome you. We invite you in this place. Help us to pray. Help us to worship. Help us to draw closer to you, Lord. Jesus, reveal yourself to us more and more and more all the time. I give you thanks. We love you so much, Lord, in this place. Let's just surrender ourselves to him for just a moment. Right there where you are. You'll know if there's any kind of idol, if there's any kind of thing that you've put before the Lord. If you want to just surrender that to him right now, just do it right now. If there's anything that in your life that isn't right, just surrender it to him right now. He wants you to, to draw near to him. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. The Bible says if you knock, he'll open the door. If you seek, you will, you will find him. He says, he says, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come. Let him come to me. Let him have a drink from me. Let him have living water. Let him be transformed and changed. The Holy Spirit, we don't have to wait for him anymore. He's already here. You are already here, Lord, in this place. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we praise you. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have given us life and life abundant. Let us be like King David that had the desire to set up true worship. Did the apostles not say that the tabernacle of David would be established again? Father, let it be in us that there be true worship, that we be a people that seek after you with everything inside of us. We praise you. We worship you. We love you in this place right now, right now. Every altar, every false anything, we lay it down. Our own agendas, we lay it down. And we choose you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to close the service in just a moment. But before I do that, I don't want to call you to the front right now. I just want you right there where you are. If you know your life isn't right with God, surrender to Him tonight. Surrender your heart to Him tonight. No other God besides Him. Nothing before Him. He's the most important in your life. If you say, Pastor Alex, that's me. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up tonight. Just, just let me see where you are. Just say, Pastor, that's me. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. 
God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Young man, just take a hold of God, man. Take a hold of him. Anybody? God bless you, sir, in the back. God bless you over there. Thank you. God bless you right here. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Things are going to be completely changing for you. In the name of Jesus. True worshipers, thank you so much. God bless you. Anybody else say, Pastor, include me tonight in this prayer. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real quick. God bless you, young man. Thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So many people raised their hand. Come, let's all stand. If you, if you haven't raised your hand, but you, but you know this is you, we're going to just pray a prayer together tonight. Are you guys okay? Amen. Amen. Let's all, let's all pray this together. But if you raised your hand, pray it from your heart tonight. Let's all say together, Father, I come to you tonight. And Lord, I give my heart to you. I believe Jesus died and rose again. I give my heart and life to you tonight. I surrender. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I choose tonight to worship you, Lord, as the scriptures have said. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a seat for just a moment. For just a moment. Amen. We're going to close in just a moment. Amen. Young man, can you come here with the cross? You with the glory? Yeah, come. Real quick. Just stand here for one second. Such a precious young man. Amen. Just raise your hands. Don't worry. No, you don't have to look at them. <laughs> okay. The Lord told me to do something for you. Okay. Raise your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this young man. I thank you for the journey that you are taking him on. And Father, I thank you that your word says that we should pull down strongholds, vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against you, high places. Tonight in this place, every curse that has been spoken over you is canceled and broken, young man. Every evil word that was spoken over your life is utterly destroyed in the mighty name of Jesus. I break the power of the enemy over your life. Every stronghold, every high thing, every power and principality, every force of darkness that has come against you tonight in this place is broken off you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And son, as you begin to seek the Lord, all I see around you is light. And I see how there was a lot of darkness that you've come through. 
a lot of darkness, but God says, tonight I'm pulling down. Everything is coming down. Everything that's been holding you back is coming down. Confusion, there's been a lot of confusion. That confusion will come down. It's coming down tonight. I strip it off you in the mighty name of Jesus right now. And Father, I give you thanks. And I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to just touch him, to just fill him, to just strengthen him in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks for it. Everything comes down. Every form of darkness comes down now off you in Jesus' mighty name. And I give you thanks for it. All the glory and honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's an... Amen. 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 I hope you got something out of the message this evening. Amen. If you are sitting here this evening... And you've just been going through a really difficult time. And you need to be strengthened. You need to be encouraged. Can I ask you just to come to the front so we can pray for you? If you just need to be strengthened, if you've, if you've been hard-pressed or just been going through a lot, come, let's, let's, let the Lord just bless you and encourage you. Amen. Get my leaders, please, if you can come up behind them, just to strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you for your love, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power. I thank you that you are here this evening. And I thank you for these precious people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, just strengthen them, Lord. Just strengthen them tonight, Father. Comfort them. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. Just give them comfort. Just touch their hearts tonight. Just heal their hearts tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now. Just follow up, Lord. In Jesus' name. There he is. Just receive healing now. There he is. There he is. You see, the Bible says that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. To set the captive free. Just follow, Lord. Just heal her heart tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. Listen, young lady, your life, your life has only just begun. It's not the end, it's only the beginning. 
You must run your race now. You must run your race. Don't give up. Run strong and run firm and keep your eyes on the prize. And, and God's going to bless you. He's going to bless your family. Yes, did you hear what I said? Your family. He's going to bless your family. Lord, I give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you thanks for it now. Let me ask the leaders, can you start ministering right now, please? Just start ministering to them right now. Just encourage them. Just, just, Lord, just pour your love out over them tonight in the name of Jesus. If you're not a leader, please, I don't want you praying for anybody. In the name of Jesus right now, I give you thanks. I give you thanks. You can come to the front of them so I can see who's ministering and who's not being ministered to. Please, guys, let me, I need to see. Thank you, Lord. Just touch her now. Just touch her now. Follow, Lord. Follow, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
are all still here. Amen. Amen. Are you all okay? Amen. You're still okay out there? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for staying. It's awesome that you stay. Isn't God just so good? Amen. Okay, I want to see with a show of hands, who of you have sickness in your body right now? Okay, come to the front quickly. Come. Come. I'm going to pray for sickness. Amen. Now, don't come up if you don't have sickness. Now, come only if, you, only if you're sick in your body. How many of you believe that God can touch them right now? Amen. He can heal them right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Brian, I want you to come pray with me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that by His stripes we were healed. We speak that healing over their bodies right now. We ask Holy Spirit for a supernatural touch of healing from heaven in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Father, as we touch them, 
I pray, Lord, that your healing power will fill their bodies. Wherever the pain is or the problem is on your body, will you put it there for me, please? And I'm going to come past you. We're going to just, we're just going to, I'm just going to pray over you and just believe God for a supernatural healing. Right now, put your hand on my back. Touch her now. Now, touch her. In Jesus' name. Now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Touch her now. Touch her now. Touch her now. In Jesus' name. Now, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of, you keep going this way. Be healed. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Right now. Now in... Now, if you're standing in the front and you can feel that there's been something happening, wave your hand. Let me see your hand waved. Did you have pain? Is the pain gone? You don't feel any more pain? Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. Amen. What happened to you? Well, pray for them, Brian. Come on. Did you get healed? You got healed? What happened? Did you have pain? I have two bulging discs. Okay. I can't You can move it now? And the pain is gone. It's gone? Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. 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 What was wrong with you? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could see you were holding your eye when you came up. Yes, yes. I can see that. Yeah, I saw you kind of struggled when you came up. How's the pain now? No more pain? She fell yesterday and she had bruises and pain everywhere. Pain's completely gone. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Did something happen? Well, it's still busy. That's okay. Please, if, if the Lord touches you, you need to let us know. Amen. We want to know. We want to hear from, from, from you uh, whatever the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you get prayed for? Are you okay? You're not okay? You're okay. What happened? Where's the pain? Is it still sore?
he has like a, a, a thing that happened to him from birth that's been causing pain all his life. And we're going to just trust the Lord to totally remove that pain. Amen. Just completely heal that thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we, the Bible says that we must pray for the sick. Amen. So we pray for the sick. We believe God. Amen. We believe God for supernatural healing, for deliverance. And it's awesome when someone gets touched. It's awesome when someone gets healed. Amen. Come on, we've got to do what the Bible says, man. We've got to do what the Bible says. Amen. All right, just, just hang in there, okay? You guys? Yes, you? Yes, you? You with the black hair that never used to have black hair. I'm talking to you and your husband and that beautiful child. You guys hang in there, okay? You're going to make it. You're going to be fine. Lord's hand is on you, okay? And don't you ever forget that this is your church. Okay? I'll come find you wherever you go. <laughs> okay. Come, let's close. Father, we thank you for everything that you have done tonight. Lord, we submit everything into your hands. You are the miracle maker. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. Father, when we pray, we look to you. When we ask, we ask from you. Nothing but you, Jesus. Nothing but your spirit, Holy Spirit, of the Most High God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is none besides you. I pray, Lord, that tonight you will stir us up, that you will draw us closer to you, that you will cause a zeal and a fire and a passion to fall upon each of us, to be more and more hungry for you. We thank you. We love you. We praise and worship you. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each of you as you leave this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.